drive to create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and a work-at-home mom of two. I would love to devote more time to creative writing, journaling, and blogging. And I'm Abigail Creeves, a writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom who is just beginning to learn the ropes of balancing a baby and everything else. And you are listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. We all have our busy seasons in life, whether it's predictable, like after the birth of a new baby, or something unexpected, like an overwhelming project that comes up at work, or an unexpected health scare. But no matter what's happening in our lives, we still only get 24 hours in each day. And that means we have to cut back on the things we're consuming so that we have time for the things that really matter in our lives. And seasons like this are probably coming up for many of us with the holidays, where we will have less time than usual thanks to holiday parties and traveling and all that good stuff. So in this episode, we are talking about the tried and true resources we turn to when life gets full. These are the things that fill us up and that don't feel like a time suck, even when life gets busy. So well, to kick us off, let's talk about some of our telltale signs that life is getting too full and we need to scale back on consuming for a little while. Yes, this is definitely something to be cognizant of as the holidays come up. I don't know what it is about these dates on the calendar, arbitrary dates, um, but for some reason I always feel like I'm not living fully enough when November and December roll around. And I think it's, I mean, probably the the holiday marketing that takes over that this is the most wonderful time of the year when really you're just staying up late too often and you can't get everything done no matter how hard you try. So yes. telltale signs that I start to need, that I need to scale back on what I'm doing or what I'm trying to do, I start to feel really frantic. Um, like I can't keep up. And then if I'm not filling every single minute with something productive, then it is wasted and I'm just not doing everything that I should be. Um, so knowing that like that is a feeling kind of that, like kind of low level anxiety, um, definitely helps me recognize when I need to just take a break and chill and figure out something that I can drop. What about you, Ashley? Yeah. So usually I, don't notice until I'm like already so far gone that I'm showing external signs <laughs> of being too stressed out. So I will have less patience with the kids or I'll be yelling at them more, or mm-hmm. I will be, um, like less focused in general. My brain seems to like separate itself from the rest of me if I've got too much stuff yes. going on. So I'll be like, why is it taking twice as long to write this client article, even though I do this every single month. And that's when I'll be like, Oh, Hey, I'm like kind of too busy. And my brain is just not working for me. So, um, unfortunately I usually find out kind of late and I probably need to spend more time, um, tuning into what's going on in my life and how I feel about things so that I can sort of catch that before it gets too far gone. (laughs) 
Yes, because it is a bad cycle once it starts. I know a lot of time I will get upset over things. Like you said, you'll lose patience with the kids. I will get upset at myself over things that normally wouldn't bother me. Like even like dropping things. So doing something is going to take me like twice as long now because I dropped the toilet paper roll before I was able to put it on the thing. <laughs> and then those are the moments then that I realized like, whoa, we need to, we need to chill out because as soon as you get mad at yourself over stupid stuff, then you get mad at yourself for being mad about stupid stuff. And it just kind of spirals from there. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you get into this, like you said, it's a cycle. You get into this cycle of feeling um, like you're always trying to catch up. And sometimes when that happens, it's just a sign that you need to cut stuff out and cut your losses and like you're not going to catch up. So you just need to decide what's not going to get done. And that's where we really like having these particular resources that we turn to that we know are still going to be worth reading and listening to and giving our attention to because they will help us through those tough times rather than taking our attention away from the things that actually need them. Yes, absolutely. So Ashley, what kind of um, blogs or books or things do you read during busy seasons? Like what still fills you up when you take the time to read it rather than like make yourself read it? Yeah, so I think blogs are an easy thing to turn to because they are short and easy. And if you you know, see one that doesn't appeal to you, you just pass by it. And it's not so stressful as like having that half finished book sitting on your dresser, staring Mm -hmm. at you, judging you. Um, so I have a list of blogs that I really enjoy, especially during busy seasons. I think I actually appreciate them more. And the common theme between them all is that they all kind of focus on encouraging you to slow down and focusing on what matters and leaving behind the things that aren't working. So they are not blogs that constantly push you to be everywhere and do everything. So for me, those are blogs like Design for Mankind by Aaron Lochner. I really like writers like Emily P. Freeman and Melissa Camara Wilkins and blogs that focus on minimalism, like No Sidebar, The Simple Life, and also um, blogs that host personal essays. Um, such as Coffee and Crumbs and Hello There Friend, which you and I both, Abby, actually started writing for. So that's a fun plug for them. Go check out our writing and a bunch of other great peoples at Hello There Friend. Um, Yeah. And that was started by Lindsay Crandall, who was one of the very first people we ever interviewed. So her and her friend Beth. Yes. And we'll link back to her episode because that was a good one. If you want to check that out in the show notes, if you missed that one or just want to revisit it, it's worth it. Um, But I think reading those personal essays that connect with where you're at and kind of remind you that you're not alone and other people have been through this too and maybe give you some broader perspective on where you're at, um, just sort of anything, any sort of writing online that focuses on slowing down or living a more simple life. I wholeheartedly agree with that. A lot of the resources that you mentioned are ones that I turn to. Um, No Sidebar, The Simple Life. I really like Becoming Minimalist. Um, That Mm -hmm. one's one that I've been reading for years, and I learn something new every time I read an article on that site. Um, And then I would also add Erica Lane's blog, and I think it's called Life on Purpose these days. Um, We'll put a link in the show notes as well. She was a guest that we had on in season one, Mm -hmm. and just like the title says, it's all about really choosing really intentionally how to spend our time. Um, and also coming from, um, Erica, who's a wife and a mom of three, it's really, really relatable. Um, a lot of minimalist blogs, I think tend to come from people who 
don't necessarily have a family to care for. Either it's someone who's single or, um, you know, the, the man in the household who isn't responsible for pickups and drop-offs and meal planning, all of that kind of thing. And I think a lot of the time that is what ends up filling the day and making it feel over full is those little things that all add up. Yeah. And that actually makes me think of, um, there was an episode on the other podcast that you and I both love that we talk about here all the time now, straight and curly. Um, they did an episode on the mental load. I think they called it of running a household, which is not just that you're the person who is necessarily doing domestic things, but you are the person who is managing the mental list of this needs to be fixed and this person needs to be called and these appointments need to be made and this is the schedule for the entire mm-hmm. family and all that stuff really does take a toll on your brain capacity and how you're feeling as far as anxiety levels go. So that might also be something people would be interested in listening in if they're trying to sort of avoid feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, I haven't listened to that episode yet, but I've seen kind of the mental load, the idea of the mental load kind of floating around on social media. There's been several articles out about it. And this was really true for me even in October. We were packing to go on vacation and for like weeks, probably months leading up to this first vacation with the baby, I kept all sorts of lists of everything we were going to need and what to remember. And I was the one who booked the, the B&B and all of those kinds of things. And Scott, as much as he is helpful at home and will do anything I ask, he just came home on Wednesday night from work and packed his suitcase and that was it. Like that, that's all he had to get ready for vacation because that's all he (laughs) needed to do. And it's just so funny to me that, you know, we, we went on this vacation. It was great. We had everything we need because I'd done months of basically invisible work leading up to this thing. You're an unpaid Um, travel agent. (laughs) Exactly. Mental load is a big, big deal. Um, So, yeah. Uh, What about books? Like you mentioned, it's really hard to dive into a book and then have it sitting there half finished, kind of glaring at you from your nightstand, telling you what a failure you are for not finishing the rest (laughs) of the book. Um, Blogs are easier because you can click the little X and they disappear. Yes. Um, So what kind of books do you tend to read that aren't super judgy when you don't finish them during your busy seasons? So I actually really like rereading books when I'm busy, which I normally have a tough time rereading books because I'm always like, oh, but there's so many new books that I haven't read yet. Why would I want to reread an old book even though I own them and they're on my (laughs) shelf and I loved them the first time? Why would I pick them up again? But if it's a really busy time, sometimes that can be just sort of nice. Like you don't have the pressure of speed reading it or paying super close attention to it or even of finishing it. Um, So it's like you're still reading and you're still enjoying it, but you just don't have all the mental work usually associated with reading a book. So, mm-hmm. um, for fiction, I'm always turning to Harry Potter for this one. Um, that is my ultimate comfort reading. And if I were in the mood for something more encouraging or practical, I would probably pick up a million little ways by Emily P Freeman or essentialism by Greg McEwen, because both of them are very encouraging. And in the case of essentialism, it can again, give you ideas for dropping tasks that don't need to be done and hopefully help lighten that load during a busy time. I 100% agree with that. I always go back during like seasons of, I call them seasons of unrest when things are changing really quickly on me Mm -hmm. or I'm really, really busy. And I just reread old favorites. Like you said, it takes a lot less mental processing. 
Um, and I also just think being able to, you know, you're going to enjoy something. You don't have to decide whether or not you're enjoying it or it's worth it. Like, you know, picking up that book is going to be worth it every time I think is really helpful. Um, and you mentioned reading essentialism. I've never actually done that in a busy season, but I did see the other day on Twitter that the author, Greg McEwen had said that reading essentialism one chapter at a time is more would be more effective than reading the whole book at once. And I thought that was really interesting. I mean, an author telling you to only read part of their book at a time, um, but it definitely makes sense being able to even slow down and read a book about slowing down slowly makes so much more sense than racing through it to see what you can slow down in life about. Yeah. And then you could, because I think the way that it's broken down, you could sort of take like one main idea from each chapter and like focus on that instead of focusing on all the things in the entire book at one time. Like that is mm-hmm. very smart for him to have said that. I did not realize that he advocated for reading his book like that. So that's really interesting to know. Yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so like you, I turned to Harry Potter and um, one of my favorites is Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet. And it's just as delightful as the title is. It's just this really like lovely, slow love story. And it's great every single time. Um, And another one that I read many, many years ago that I really enjoyed kind of on the topic of rest and and taking time for yourself was Bread and Wine by Shauna. Is it Nyquist or Nyquist? I never know how to pronounce her name and I should really know this by now. I feel like I used to know and now I can't remember because now I've just heard you say it both Mm. ways and I'm like, they both sound right. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, they're both acceptable. So Shauna N, that's who wrote that book, uh, Bread and Wine. And I really connected with that book. I think that was just one of those books that found me at the exact right time that I needed to hear that message. And it really does talk a lot about you know, slowing down and finding kind of community around the table and finding your people. And that was, it was really good for me. Yeah. That one's been on my list for a long time and I haven't read it to be honest, because I know it's one of those books that I'm going to want to own. The cover is really pretty. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, there's just some books that, you know, you want on your shelf and, you know, I limit my book spending every month. So oftentimes I will, um, just sort of forget that that one's on my list. And if I happen to remember, it's like, oh, but I have to wait till next month. I already spent my book budget and I don't want to get it from the library because I want to own it. I want it to be mine. And (laughs) so I just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. I feel like it's a really good book to read in this season, kind of as winter's creeping up on us and you really want to kind of get cozy physically, I think even kind of getting cozy mentally makes sense to me. And I like bread and wine for that. I'll probably reread that again this winter. Oh, I love Um, that. It's also, yeah, like you said, you, you want to own this book. It's one of those books that has like the really like soft cover. I don't know how to describe it Mm -hmm. better than that. Like the book jacket feels nice and all of the pages are that really like good textured paper. So I definitely recommend owning a physical copy and not an ebook. Yes. Oh, I'm glad to hear that my instincts about that one were right. So uh, those are the books and the blogs that we turn to most often, but we all know that our other favorite medium is podcasts, obviously. Um, so what are some of the podcasts you turn to while you're busy, Abby? 
Yeah. So one that I have discovered since becoming a mom, and I should have known about this earlier, but I didn't, is Coffee and Crumbs. Um, I really like it because the episodes are a little bit longer, more of a deep dive into something, and they only release, I think, every other week. So I feel like I can easily keep up with that podcast, Mm -hmm. which makes me inherently not feel as frantic. So I really like listening to that one. Um, And I also have really been enjoying the current season of The Next Right Thing by Emily Freeman. And ironically, I just saw that I haven't kept current on it, Um, but she has an episode called Quit Something, which I feel is incredibly applicable for this episode itself. Um, So when life gets full, choose something to quit. And I like that idea. Yes, I just saw that that came up too, and I have not listen to that one yet either but I just um felt like that would be very applicable for my life at this <laughs> point in time right now also so it was a a very good coincidence she always seems to be one of those people who's saying the right thing at the right time so yes I agree that her mm-hmm. podcast is very good yeah and for some reason I also really like news focused podcasts when I'm busy and it's probably because I'm not taking as much time to read news articles or to watch the news, which is not actually something I ever do. I never watch the news. Um, so I feel like, (laughs) yeah, if I turn on something like the New Yorker radio hour or even NPR's wait, wait, don't tell me, which is the news quiz. If no one has ever listened to that, it's hilarious. Um, I kind of feel like I'm keeping up on life a little bit more. Um, and now I'm thinking of an aside. I don't know if you subscribe to the skim or not the email newsletter. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Yes. That, I mean, honestly, that's the only way I would ever get enough news to stay even potentially current with the world these days. So highly recommend the skim. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yes. Yeah, they are a very good little blurb for... They're the only email I open right away in the morning, actually, just to, like, get me started, like, knowing what happened Mm -hmm. in the last 24 hours. Like, that's pretty much what it's good for. I mean, you would definitely need to take a deeper dive to get the full scope of any of their topics, but it's really good for starting off your day just to have, like, a general idea of, like, oh, hey, what happened? Um. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, I do keep up with The Skim, which is not podcast. It's an email newsletter, but I don't actually listen to podcasts while I am busy because I find that I need more quiet time once I finally acknowledge mm-hmm. that I am like, oh, not doing so great. I'm kind of overwhelmed. Um, I have a tendency <laughs> to put podcasts on like all the time if I'm not... Um, limiting myself intentionally like I'll put them on during breakfast and I'll put them on during lunch and I'll put them on while I cook dinner and I'll put them on while I fold laundry and eventually like my whole day has someone talking to me in the background and I need to just cut them out pretty much entirely and sort of refocus because it just adds to the noise in my already very busy brain (laughs) yeah that is really really good advice so how how do you handle then when like a podcast gets really backed up, like you're subscribed to it, but there's like 38 episodes that you haven't listened to yet. Do you just like delete all? Do you try to catch up or do you just pick up from where you start or only listen to ones that sound really interesting? There are very few podcasts where I would actually try to catch up on every single episode. I would say straight and curly would be one where if I missed all of theirs, Mm -hmm. I would, and theirs are rather short. They're only 20 to 30 minutes, so they're not too tough to catch up on. Um, But other than that, I would probably just scroll through. And if anything 
captured my fancy, I would listen to that one. And if nothing was really jumping out at me as being super interesting, I would probably just let the rest go. Um, but I, I really only keep up, like actively keep up listening to like every single episode of like three, maybe four podcasts anyway. So it's not really that much to keep up on. Like not that much stuff gets backed up basically other stuff gets backed up, but it's stuff that I let get backed up anyway, if that makes sense. Like it's stuff I don't listen to every episode. Yeah. I get it. I get it. So I just probably need to unsubscribe to some things because I have a few podcasts in there that I haven't listened to in a while, maybe even since Arthur was born and I should probably just unsubscribe at this point because it's not going to happen. Well, and the other thing that I think helps me not stress out about backed up podcasts is that I am, again, like an elderly person who is not up on technology. So I don't listen to podcasts on my phone unless I'm streaming them directly from a website. So I actually open iTunes on my laptop or my desktop computer and I set that computer Mm -hmm. near where I am sitting and I listen to my podcast. (laughs) That's wonderful. So it's like my actual iTunes instead of like sitting there on my phone like you haven't listened to me yet. Yeah. In your podcast app. Yes. I don't have a podcast app. I don't think my phone has any more room for any more apps. It's like completely full and halfway dead and that's how I like it. Hey, that is a really good way to stay off your phone. (laughs) It is. It's barely functional, so it's not tempting. (laughs) There you go. I like it. Uh, So you talk about, you know, knowing that when you need a break is when like you have people talking to you in the background all the time and you can't focus on anything. Are there any other signs that something that you're consuming is just not a good fit for your life right now? Yeah, I have a couple of signposts for this. The first one is if I am, and it comes up most often, I think in blogs or in nonfiction books, but if I find myself reading something that's talking about all these things I should do, and I'm feeling overwhelmed or anxious or guilty because I'm not doing those things, that's a sign that like, no, I should be able to take that as a suggestion. And if it's not right for me, move along. But if I'm feeling all these negative emotions about it, that probably means that I'm consuming the wrong thing right now. And I need to back off a little bit. That is really good advice because how often do we say, well, I should be doing that and then write it on our to-do list. And then our to-do list is like 58 items that we're, you know, going to get done in a day. And it's just insurmountable, just list that we're never, ever going to accomplish. And then our list gives us anxiety, not only the things on it, but the list itself. (laughs) Yes. When they get super long and you're like, I haven't crossed anything off and it just gets longer and carries over to the next week. And yeah, that's the worst. So Um, that is my first sign. And then my second sign is that if I'm reading about something and I'm like, oh, that's such a great idea or, oh, I really appreciate that idea. Um, and it doesn't necessarily feel negative, but it's something that I do not have time to do right now and I can't take action on it. I need to just set it aside and save it for later and like make a note to come back to it when things calm down, because otherwise having that stuff in my brain will make me more overwhelmed and probably will eventually make me feel guilty that I haven't done it, even though it's something that if I approached it at the right time could actually really make a difference and help me out. Yeah, no, that is smart too. Cause um, like I mentioned earlier with reading the Shauna Nyquist book at the right time, at the right moment, the right book at the right moment. I feel like if you're Mm -hmm. making yourself read a book or read a a blog or a website at the wrong time, it's not going to benefit you anyway. So don't spend any more of your minutes trying to make something fit that really doesn't. Yes, 
Totally agree. So yeah. what are your signs that you're consuming something that's not a great fit for you? Yeah, the the only real sign that I can pinpoint at the moment um, is that when I'm reading something and I completely forget what it was about like an hour later. Like I know I read mm-hmm. this article about something and I don't remember a single detail or what the gist of it was. It's then that I realize like this isn't what my brain needs to hold on to at the moment. So I should just probably stop for a while. Yep. When you're so busy that your brain is just like letting things go willy nilly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you need it to hold on to more important stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Or when I find myself trying to listen to something and read something completely different at the same time, like the thing that I'm listening to isn't interesting enough. So I have to go Mm -hmm. read something to fill the time while I'm listening to something. Like when you start trying to multitask things that are meant to be single tasks, that is another sign that you should just quit one or the other or both. A lot of times the answer is both. Yes, that is very true. That distracted mindset or that like need to multitask and unable to focus is often a sign that things are not going well. Something needs to change and be cut out. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably covers all the things that we turn to when life is busy because we if we had too many things that we turn to, then we would not be alleviating the problem. So we have kind of a short <laughs> list and I think that's good. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, that would be, like you said, not alleviating the problem. So I like that. So do you want to talk about books that we have made time to read? Yes. Um, mini book club is always my favorite. So what I read most recently is a quick little memoir by Danny Shapiro called Hourglass. And it was new out in 2017. I think it came out earlier this spring. And it's just this really lovely, honest portrait of what her marriage has looked like over the last 18 years and how she and her husband have grown and changed and what the landscape of their lives together has looked like and what it might look like in the future. It's just such an interesting perspective from somebody who is several years down the road ahead of where we are right now. And it was really beautifully written and um, just a very um, easy book to dive in and out of. It was written almost in small vignettes, like a couple paragraphs here and there, and then there would be a break. So it was great for reading with the kids or if you were, you know, at the doctor's office or something like that, like just really, really quick and easy to dive in and out of. So I finished it pretty quickly and I would highly recommend that one for anybody who likes memoirs. Oh, I like that. Like you said, it's a shorter memoir or a shorter length of a book. Um, Maybe I'm the only person that has this issue, but I find whenever I read short stories, I want the short story to be like 10 times as long, but sometimes a full length book is too long. Like they just didn't need to spend that much time on it. So maybe like short memoir is the Mm -hmm. perfect blend of those two. Yeah. Her story structure is just fascinating. Like if you're, maybe you don't like to read memoir, but you want to write it, which is probably not great. I'm not going to lie. If you want to write memoir, you should probably read it. But if you are at all interested in story structure and the like narrative structure, hers was just so unique and so brilliant. She took all these different threads and 
tied them together completely out of order throughout the book, but I was always able to follow along with where she was at and where she was going back to. It was just really, really well written. Well, cool. I'm going to add that onto my list. I don't think I'd even heard of that one before, but now it's going on there. Yep. Yeah. And what have you been reading lately? Well, I recently read my first Anne Patchett novel. I can't believe it's taking me this long oh, to yay. read any Anne Patchett, but I was able to check out Commonwealth from the library, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it most of the time. I kind of feel weird saying that yes. I didn't enjoy it all of the time. <laughs> um, I really loved the opening scene. It was so well written and thought through and there were so many lines that I underlined and highlighted and I really really thought that like Ann Patchett was just embodying these characters and this moment in their lives it was great and then I felt like the rest of the book was a little bit flatter in comparison like maybe that first scene was overwritten compared to what everything else was going to follow did you did you read that one yet I did, yes. And I can definitely see your point. Um, Anne Patchett is one of my favorite, favorite authors ever of all time. But Commonwealth is my least favorite book of hers that I have read so far. Good to know. I haven't read all of her stuff. But it's my least favorite so far. Her writing is still gorgeous, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But the plot in Commonwealth just did not grab me like some of her other plots have. Um, and actually my favorite thing that she's written is this is the story of a happy marriage, which is a collection of creative nonfiction essays. Um, and her favorite fiction that I've read is Bel Canto. And it's kind of funny because she has said in interviews that I've read before that she just, in her fiction, she keeps writing the same story over and Mm -hmm. over. A group of unlikely people gets thrown together in like an odd situation and has to make it through. So Bel Canto is about like, um, there's like an opera singer. It's been a few years since I've read it, but there's an opera singer and there's a hostage situation in the Amazon jungle somewhere and they end up, or in South America somewhere, and they end up like making friends with the terrorists kind of (laughs) and then um commonwealth is strangely enough like a completely different book but it follows her structure of um a group of people that seemingly doesn't belong together it's this um blended family that um sort of crosses the country and all their relationships together so i don't know i i do really enjoy her writing but i agree that commonwealth was not um, not as compelling mm-hmm. as some of her other work. I would give a different book a try. Don't give up on her yet. Oh, no, I won't. I loved the the prose enough that I will continue reading her. Um, but I was just like, you know, mm-hmm. this one got a lot of press, and I have a feeling that's just because she's Ann Patchett and not because the book itself is so amazingly wonderful that you have to read it. Yeah. I did like the cover on this mm-hmm. one, though. I'll give it that. It has a really fresh, summery look to it. So it does. I appreciated the cover. And and the cover (laughs) ties into that first scene that's just so wonderful, really, really well. And so I just kind of expected the rest of the book to be just as perfect. And it wasn't quite there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Now that you say that, I totally agree about the first scene. Like I have never, like I never articulated it Mm -hmm. even in my head. But um, that first scene really stands out now that you say that is like the best part of the book. And it kind of... You, know, you hate to say that it went downhill from there. And I'm sure other people really liked it, mm-hmm. but maybe it was just this particular plot for whatever yeah. reason didn't grab me. Well, and I also feel like the plot 
was super strong and really, really like it could have been amazing. This could have been like almost a thriller, but the Mm -hmm. way that like all the details come out, it kind of felt backwards to me. Like the things that you discover didn't have as much impact as they maybe should have. So, yeah, things fell a little bit flat there, but, um, yeah, highly recommend well, Belcanto though, or her nonfiction work, or you know, other of her writings. Anything else? <laughs> yeah. Yes, pretty much anything yeah. else that she's written. <laughs> well, I will definitely dive into another Anne Patchett. Don't worry. Um, but in the meantime, we should probably sign off so that life doesn't get too full with podcasting here. Yes, this is true. So until next time, we will. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Creeds or at Brooks Editorial, or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to help us bring this podcast to life each week, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chasing creative. And if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasing creative podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative. <laughs>